Jesus is himself the great confirmation that God is a promise-keeping God. He promised a Savior, a Deliverer, throughout the Old Testament. And in Christ, the Deliverer has come, just as God said he would come. And because those promises have been fulfilled, we know that the unchanging God is faithful to all that he says, to all the promises he has made. You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths, and there's really something comforting, I think, about what we just heard, Jonathan. When we understand that God is an unchanging God and he has made these promises, if there's a comfort in knowing that, then we can rest in the the fact that those promises will be fulfilled. Well, so often when we make plans and commitments, when organizations, when governments make grand plans and commitments, you know, those plans change over time. The situation changes, people's minds change, their priorities change, and so things things shift. But the wonderful thing about our God is that the purposes and the promises that he set out in his word so long ago, promises to do with our salvation, the goalposts have not moved. His interests have not changed, and he is committed to those promises as much today as the day he spoke them, first of all. And that gives us a bedrock of assurance as we trust in those promises. For the person who maybe has been struggling to believe that they can really cling to those promises of God. I think today's message is going to be one that you'll, you're going to find encouraging, one that uh, you will find comfort in. So glad that you are with us as we continue our message, The Unchanging God. Here is Jonathan. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your laws endure to this day. See, our God is immutable. His standards are unchanging. Next, our God is immutable, and so his purposes are unchanging. Human planning is always subject to change. Here in our church family, we have an unusually large number of folk who serve in government, in the civil service, and so on. And if you have been around government departments long enough, you know something of changed plans and changed policies, changed priorities, changed strategies. One government may have a grand plan for health or defense or education or something else, and you work away at it in line with government policy for a few years. Then another, another government comes in, and the priorities are completely reversed. The project is canceled, and something new is dreamed up. It happens all the time. It's the beauty of democracy. It's just the way things work. Different leaders have different views. Circumstances change. The experts revise their advice. But how different it is with the God of the universe. When it comes to his plans and his purposes for the world and the church, nothing ever changes with him. There are a number of statements in the scriptures that give us very deep insight into God's big picture plan for the universe. And many of those are actually found in the writings of the Apostle Paul. One such statement is found in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 22, where Paul says that God placed all things under his feet, that is, under Jesus' feet, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. What's Paul saying there? He's saying that God's purpose has always been to exalt Christ 
and make him head over all things. Paul makes a similar point in Philippians 2 at verse 9. Therefore God exalted him, that is, exalted Jesus, to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. God's grand plan for the universe is to bring all things under the headship of His appointed King, the Lord Jesus Christ, to cause all knees to bow to Him, either in grace or in judgment, but every knee to bow. Now, that is the grand divine purpose for the universe. That's what God is doing, and His purpose has not changed one jot. It's what He promised all along. It's what He's been doing all along, and it is what He is doing now. You and I change our plans and our purposes all the time. We're fickle creatures, but God is not like that. Numbers 23 and verse 19. God is not a man that He should lie, nor a son of man that He should change His mind. Does He speak and then not act? Does He promise and not fulfill? And the answer is no, of course not. How could he? The other day, the BBC published a little essay on the Armenian community of Metsamor and the nuclear reactor that the Soviets built there in the 1970s. The plan was to build a model town around this gleaming new plant. But a major earthquake in the 80s in 1988 led to safety concerns and then to the rapid closure of the plant, and the grand construction plans for the town were canceled, leaving it literally half-built. Well, a few years later, roll forward to the mid-90s, and there's a major energy crisis, and the government is then prompted to reopen part of the plant out of a sense of need and desperation. And that continues to this day. It continues to operate. And so now there are 900 workers living in a half-built town in an earthquake zone next to a potentially unsafe reactor that the government says it might refurbish one day. It's a fascinating picture of flip-flopping plans and unfulfilled promises. And as I read about that and saw the photographs, it struck me that the story of Metsamor captures so much the reality of human planning in every place. Chaotic and ever-changing plans and purposes. But how wonderful it is against that backdrop that God's purposes and God's plans are entirely constant. How reassuring that the eternal God does not change His mind. And for us, for you and me here today, that means that we know for certain what we should be investing our lives in, what we should be living for each day. We know that God's purpose for the world is to exalt Jesus Christ as King and to bring all people into a place of submission to Jesus. And so that means that my main priority for me personally is simply this— it is to submit myself to Jesus Christ and to live for His honor and glory. If I'm pursuing that each day in the power of the Holy Spirit, then I know that I'm heading in essentially the right direction. I know that I'm investing my life well. 
And given what we know of God's plan for the universe, my main priority for others around me is simply this. I want them to know Jesus, and I want them to submit to Him as King. At the final day, I want them to be able to bow to Jesus in a position of grace and salvation and not of judgment. And living for these things, well, that's something I can do with certainty, something you can do with certainty. We don't need to fear that we might invest in following Jesus all our lives and proclaiming Jesus throughout our days, only to discover at the end that God has actually changed His mind and He's got another purpose. The purposes of the immutable God, they never change. You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths, a message called The Unchanging God. It's part of a larger series, Who is Like Our God? Maybe you missed a part of this message. You want to go back and listen to it again. You can always do that by coming to our website. It's EncounterTheTruth.org. There you can stream the program on your computer or mobile device, or you can download an MP3 for free. Our website is EncounterTheTruth.org. And while you're there, I want to ask you to consider giving a gift to support. We're able to stay on the station because of your generosity. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, and there's just a couple days left, we want to say thank you by sending you a book called Heaven, How I Got Here. It's the story of the thief on the cross that died next to Jesus on the day that Christ was crucified, telling his account of what happened that day, how he began that day destined for an eternity separated from Jesus, but he ended up spending his eternity with Jesus in paradise. We'd love to send you a copy of this book as our way of saying thanks for your support this month. You can give online when you come to EncounterTheTruth.org or when you call us at 833-99-TRUTH. Again, our website is EncounterTheTruth.org and our phone number is 833-998-7884. All right, back to the message. Once again, here is Jonathan. The purposes of the immutable God, they never change. And finally, the promises of the immutable God, they never change. We human beings, we're great at making promises. We're not always very good at keeping them. That's true of all of us, but I guess our politicians are particularly famous for making outlandish promises that are a little bit hard to keep. Former Australian Prime Minister Bob Hawke, who recently died, you may have read, he famously promised in 1987 that by 1990, so in three years, no child in Australia would be living in poverty. That was a very grand promise. But of course, he couldn't begin to keep it. The problem persists 30 years on. Of course it does. On a more lighthearted note, Newt Gingrich campaigned for the U.S. presidency with the promise of establishing a colony on the moon by 2020. Would have been quite interesting if he was elected to see what would have happened there. A colorful figure in U.S. politics by the name of Vermin Supreme, legal name, I kid you not, Vermin Supreme. He's run regularly for various offices since the 1980s, campaigning on a platform of a variety of very interesting promises, including giving every citizen in the United States a pony and offering every sick person a free bus ticket to Canada. <laughs> that was my favorite. <laughs> we make promises, sometimes reckless ones, 
and we're prone to breaking our promises. And because we know how bad we are at keeping promises ourselves, we've grown accustomed, haven't we, to doubting the promises that others make to us. We take them sometimes with a very big pinch of salt. But the unchanging God is entirely unlike us in this. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18 says this, But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in Him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. You see, Jesus is Himself the great confirmation that God is a promise-keeping God. He promised a Savior, a Deliverer, throughout the Old Testament. And in Christ, the Deliverer has come just as God said He would come. And because those promises have been fulfilled, we know that the unchanging God is faithful to all that He says, to all the promises He has made. Now, that is a very great truth, but it has, if you like, both a negative side and a positive side to it, and we need to think both about both of them. On the negative side, this means that God's warnings of judgment are inescapable. We needn't look too far in Scripture to see that God has given many warnings of a judgment to come. Proverbs 11:21, be sure of this, the wicked will not go unpunished. Ephesians 5:5, for of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Now, whenever we hear warnings of judgment, warnings of punishment, we always hope, don't we, that the warning will be worse than the reality. The cop will never give me a ticket for just going 20 over the limit. My parents would never ground me for doing that. Bylaw enforcement will never fine me for that infraction. The CRA will never penalize me over that little bit of creative accounting. See, that's the way we think. And often, to be frank, it's true. Often the bark is worse than the bite. But how often that logic is transferred to God. The God of grace would never actually condemn me for that. The God of love would never send sinners to hell. The Scottish divine from the 18th century, John Dick, writes that the divine immutability has a dark side as well as a light side. It ensures the execution of his threatenings as well as the performance of his promises and destroys the hope which the guilty fondly cherish that he will be all lenity to his frail and erring creatures and that they will be much more lightly dealt with than the declarations of His own Word would lead us to expect. We oppose to these deceitful and presumptuous speculations the solemn truth that God is unchanging in veracity and purpose, 
in faithfulness and in justice. That is, if you like, the negative side of the truth that God's promises are unchanging and unchangeable, and we need to hear that negative side. Let me say that you need to hear it if you somehow imagine that God will never carry through on His promises to judge sin, if you imagine that He doesn't really have it in Him to deal with sin, that ultimately His grace will somehow just extend to everyone in the end. Well, no. God's promises are unchanging, and He promises to judge sin. And he tells us in his word that the only place of safety when the judgment comes will be to find refuge in Christ by trusting in him now. That's the negative side, if you like. But it leads us naturally to the positive side, the wonderfully hope-filled side of the truth that God's promises never change. We need only glance at the Bible to see that it is filled with the most incredible promises to those who belong to the Lord, to those who have come to Him through Jesus, the Savior. We could spend all day actually looking at these, but just listen to a small handful by way of reminder and encouragement. Deuteronomy 31 and verse 6, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Joel 2:32. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. John 6:37. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. Matthew 11:28. Come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. We could go on and on and on. The Word of God is filled with very great and precious promises for the people of God, promises from cover to cover. And the fact that our God never ever changes tells us that we can trust each and every promise He has made. We can take them to the bank. We can stake our very lives upon them. The God who once made these promises, He is the very same God, not one iota changed, as the God we know and trust today, the God who will deliver us on the final day. I think we all struggle quite a lot with the whole question of trust, and perhaps we actually struggle more with the question of trust the longer we live. Children generally start life with a very high degree of trust, don't they? And that's part of the beauty and the wonder of childhood. But the hard reality is that the longer we live, the more occasions we will have to see our trust violated, the more we will be let down, and the more times we will have occasion to let others down too. And some, of course, will live through terrible traumas, Terrible violations of trust, situations of abuse, of marital unfaithfulness, of fraud in business, 
of betrayal by friends. Some here, even as I mention these things, will be feeling afresh the pain of broken promises, of violated trust. And part of our challenge in learning to walk with the Lord is to learn once more to trust, to learn once more to take someone at his word and to believe that he will be faithful to what he has said he will do. At the core of our ability to trust God is to know God as the unchanging one. It is a vital and a glorious truth. Nothing in all the universe has the capacity to bring even the tiniest alteration to the eternal God. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. And so we know His Word is true and His promises are sure. The great English Puritan Richard Baxter summarized the importance of God's immutability in this way, and I'll leave us with his words as we close. He writes, our houses may be burned, our goods may be consumed or stolen, our clothes will be worn out, our treasure here may be corrupted, but our God is unchangeable, the same forever. Our laws and customs may be changed, our governors and privileges changed, our company and employments and habitation changed, but God is never changed. Our estates may change from riches to poverty, and our names that were honored may incur disgrace. Our health may quickly turn to sickness and our ease to pain, but still our God is unchangeable forever. Our friends are unconstant and may turn our enemies. Our peace may be changed into war and our liberty into slavery, but our God doth never change. Time will change customs, families, and all things here, but it changeth not our God. The creatures are all but earth and metal, and quickly dashed to pieces. Our comforts are changeable, ourselves are changeable and mortal, but so is not our God. You're listening to Encounter the Truth. That is Jonathan Griffiths with a message called The Unchanging God, and we're going to continue our series, Who is Like Our God, next time. But glad you've tuned in today as we've been looking at what it means for us that God is unchangeable, how His character doesn't change, His standards, purposes, and promises don't change. If you ever miss a broadcast in the series, come to the website. You can always listen online. Our website address is EncounterTheTruth.org. Well, if you our regular listener to this broadcast, you know that Encounter the Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and that's exactly what it sounds like. We depend on your generosity to stay on this station. But as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to send you a book called Heaven, How I Got Here. It's the story of the thief on the cross. And Jonathan, I think this is a great book to show us that you know, salvation and entrance into heaven is entirely because of Jesus. 
Well, that's exactly right. And it's one of the reasons we're thrilled to be able to make this resource available, either for you, if you know Jesus, to be reminded of the wonderful story of how he welcomes that thief on the cross to join him this day in paradise, not because the thief had done anything to earn his salvation, but because of the work that Jesus was doing on the cross, even at that very time. But it's a wonderful resource, I think, to be able to share with those who don't yet have the hope of heaven because they don't know Jesus. And we want to be inviting others to receive that hope, to join us in heaven uh, through trusting in the Savior who came. And so we, we hope that you'll be able to take hold of this resource and share it as well with those who might be glad to read it and receive it. Well, we want to send you a copy of this book, Heaven, How I Got Here, against the story of the thief on the cross. Our thank you for your financial support this month. You can give your gift online at EncounterTheTruth.org or when you call us at 833-99-TRUTH. That's 833-998-7884. Or again, our website, EncounterTheTruth.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time.